Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast. For Prophecy Countdown, I'm Pastor Ken Baer with Faith Dialogue, and we provide two updates each week. Two, two updates to Prophecy Countdown uh, for our video and our, and our audio channels. Uh, on Sundays, we're presently going through the Gospel of, of Matthew, and we go chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This, this Sunday, for example, uh, my message is, uh, Do Not Fear. Um, and they'll be broadcast uh, at Sunday at 1 p.m. That's when it premieres, and then again at 6 o'clock. Uh, on Wednesdays, our updates are always uh, prophecy-related. And we typically what we do is we take one of the questions from our audience, from people like you, people that are listening to our podcast or watching our videos. Uh, and you can send us your questions um, into a Prophecy Countdown podcast uh, at gmail.com. That's Prophecy Countdown podcast at gmail.com. And we'd be glad to answer your questions uh, directly by email. But we also know that if you have that question, many people do. So that's, that's where we get our, our questions from. So be sure to send us your questions. Uh, we'd love to be able to communicate with you. Uh, but as I mentioned today is, uh, is our Sunday uh, podcast. And my message today is from Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 27 through 31. And the message is titled, Do Not Fear. Let me read it for you. Beginning in verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus continues, verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. You know, it was... Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, one of our, our presidents that's remembered for, for many things, uh, including being the president of the United States at the beginning of, of World War II and for most of World War II. However, prior to the U.S. involvement in World War II in 1941, uh, beginning in 1929, the, 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 the U.S., uh, the American economy, the American people were in a severe depression affected not only the United States, but the rest of the world. And the, the nation was grappling with economic crisis, widespread fear and uncertainty. And, and during his inaugural address in 1933, at the height of the Great Depression of the United States, Franklin Roosevelt made this, had this saying. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Most people know that quote. They might not know it comes from Franklin Roosevelt, but the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, his statement was meant to inspire confidence and resiliency in the face of adversity. He sought to convey that fear itself, the paralyzing and destructive uh, force of fear, uh, can actually be more damaging than some of the challenges that we actually face. By urging people to confront their fears and not to be controlled by them, he aimed to motivate the nation to take action, to be able to overcome obstacles and work towards a recovery. You know, Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying, do not fear. 
The context, however, of Jesus saying, do not fear, is not a Great Depression or even a world war. He's talking to his disciples, who he has sent out uh, to spread the gospel of the coming kingdom. You know, just prior to saying, do not fear, for example, Jesus had said in verse 8, you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. And then Jesus says, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute in one city, flee to another. So the context is key. Remember, the context is always key as you read Scripture. Remember the context. And context is really pretty easy to establish. You can read uh, a couple verses or the chapter before the chapter you're in or a couple verses after to get the context of, of what's being communicated. Jesus is specifically speaking about fear. And he's related to the fear about speaking about the kingdom, of fulfilling what we know as the Great Commission. Jesus is sending us out as well. You know, the last words of Jesus uh, in uh, the Acts of the Apostles uh, in chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Jesus says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Samaria, I mean, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. This is the context. The context is the Great Commission of Jesus sending out the church to basically uh, preach the gospel. And think of what happened. You know, back when Jesus, when Jesus died and rose again, and by the time he's ascending into heaven, you've got, you've got, uh, you've got a few hundred, maybe a thousand followers of Jesus Christ. And and very very quickly, within within a few decades, within a few hundred years, uh, Christianity has spread all throughout Europe and, and through Asia. You know, I remember 20, actually about 30 years ago now, uh, that there was a slogan that a lot of young people uh, had. I think it was one of the marketing, uh, marketing uh, slogans. Uh, I don't even know the product anymore. But the slogan was, no fear. Do you remember that? No fear it would be on uh, shirts and hats. It was even tattooed. It was a cultural phenomenon back in the 1990s. And it, and it was a mindset of fearlessness and, and boldness. Uh, boldness. It, it resonated with many, especially young people, particularly in extreme sports and the youth culture. And basically what it was, it was a, a rejection of, of limitations. Uh, it was a call to push the, the boundaries that they had, the idea of no fear. No fear symbolized a, a spirit of adventure, a risk-taking, a desire to overcome challenges without succumbing to fear. I can understand why it resonated with so many people, uh, trying to overcome uh, the obstacles they had in their life. Now, no fear was also embraced by what we know as what we call extreme sports, which encompass a, a wide range of adrenaline-pumping, uh, dangerous uh, things to do, uh, often pushing the limits of, of human capability. These sports, such as skydiving, base jumping, big wave surfing, mountain climbing, always involve extreme danger, extreme danger and risk. You know, lately, uh, this push towards no fear, and this is within the recent few years, has brought about the craziness of what's called free running, uh, also known as roofing or, or, or urban exploration. And maybe you've seen this on, on some videos. This is where somebody will, will jump from one building to another, or they'll, they'll go from one pole to another. It's almost kind of amazing, as long as they keep up their momentum, and with a little bit of luck, they can make it through some kind of obstacle uh, without falling to their death. Uh, but these activities always come with, 
very obvious risk, including falling from great heights, misjudged landings, running out of room, and, and running directly into a brick wall. There are many, many people not only have been injured, but many have died. But this is not at all what Jesus is speaking of. Uh, this is not at all what Jesus is speaking of. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to hazard a guess of what Jesus thinks about, you know, urban jumping and, and free wall, uh, or, or, or climbing buildings. Uh, hopefully, uh, <laughs> these people that, in, that, that participate in this kind of sport, if it's called a sport, uh, are, are praying before and after their, their, their climbs. We want to remember that, that fear itself is natural. And it's a, it's a God-given fear. It's an instinctive human emotion that arises in response to perceived threats and dangers. You're, you need your fear response. That's what keeps us alive, That what keeps us from crossing the street, that keeps us away from the edge of a, of a mountain. Uh, now, fear of fear, what uh, Franklin uh, Roosevelt spoke of, uh, can also lead to great anxiety. And there's actually a... Uh, there's actually a, a, a phobia called phobia-phobia, which is the fear of fears. Now, let's get back to the Bible. While the Bible encourages believers not to be controlled by fear, it does not imply that they should never experience fear. Christians are, hu are humans, and, and we're all susceptible to fear like anyone else. However, their faith in God's love and God's power and provision allows us to confront fear with a sense of, of assurance and, and of hope. You know, Jesus says in verse 28, he says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body and in hell. God is the one that we need to fear, not the men who persecute the followers of Jesus. The worst they can do is destroy the body. The most they can do is destroy us. Um, but to be a, a coward before God uh, can have what we call eternal consequences. Jesus continues, he says this, Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You know, God, Jesus' followers had no reason to fear because they could trust God. Uh, God knew who they were. The Bible says that even the hairs on their head are numbered. God knows us. And he knows that we often face persecution. We may often feel abandoned by God, but we're never abandoned by God. We must remember that God has not forgotten us. The Bible repeatedly has told us not to fear when it comes to doing the work of the Lord. And that's always the context of not, not to fear. It's doing the work of the Lord. You know, for example... In the Old Testament, the Lord encouraged Joshua. Remember Joshua? Joshua took Moses' place. And he encouraged Joshua not to be afraid. And he did it multiple times in, in the book of Joshua. For example, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, this is the first time the Lord speaks to Joshua after the death of Moses. The context was the transition of leadership. And the Lord spoke to Joshua and said this. He said, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God was telling Joshua that just as he was with Moses and enabled Moses to not only lead the people of Israel, but through Moses to be able to do amazing things, raise his hands and, and be able to overcome the enemy, uh, to be able to part the water, that God was going to be with Joshua in the same way. In Joshua chapter 8, verse 1, the Israelites had faced their first defeat. It was at the city of Ai due to disobedience. But the Lord took Joshua aside 
And he told him this in chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go and attack Ai. See, I have delivered it into your hands, the king of Ai, his people, the city, and the land. The Lord said, Don't be afraid, Joshua. Don't be afraid, regardless of what you see. Stay with the strategy. Stay with your confidence in the Lord. Then in Joshua chapter 10, verse 8, Joshua and the Israelite family were facing a coalition of five Amorite kings. They were, they were outnumbered. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for I have given them into your hand. This reassurance that the Lord was giving Joshua was to, to strengthen him, to have confidence. And you know, sometimes we need to have that confidence. That's the reason why Jesus is telling us not to be afraid. Uh, you know, Joshua responded to God's calls with faith and obedience. He trusted that the Lord would be able to uh, deliver the people of Israel just uh, through him, just as he, the Lord had done that through Moses. Now, we see this a few other times in the Old Testament. I don't want to bore you with all the details, but for example, Elijah, the prophet of Elijah on, on Mount Carmel. I love that. Um, now, after he defeated all of the prophets of Baal, he hears that uh, Queen Jezebel is after him and is going to kill him. Uh, and he runs for his life. Uh, but an angel of the Lord catches up with Elijah and says this. He says, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Arise and eat. God will be with you. God will be with you. And Jeremiah, God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. And God told Jeremiah in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, Do not be afraid of them, meaning the naysayers, for I am with you and I will rescue you. King Hezekiah, or good King Hezekiah as it's called, uh, uh, is faced with the threat of the Assyrian king Shennacherib. Uh, and God sent the prophet Isaiah to assure him. And Isaiah says this in Isaiah 37, do not be afraid of the words of what you have heard. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his old land. So Isaiah is telling Hezekiah that Sennacherib will hear a rumor and actually leave and not even attack the city of Jerusalem. You know, one of the best ways of understanding that that God tells us not to fear is this is the first words typically out of an angel. Uh, when we in the New Testament, when the, either the angel Gabriel or one of the other angels uh, we see in the in the in the New Testament, when some of the one of the first words they have is is do not be afraid. So, for example, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah, um, uh, who is the father of John the Baptist. This is before uh, he comes to to Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and says, "Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been an- answered." The same angel Gabriel, of course, uh, uh, then goes to, to visit Mary, uh, who has conceived uh, the child uh, and will, be, uh, will give birth to Jesus. And Gabriel says to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Uh, on the, the night of Jesus' birth, remember the shepherds in the field, the angels come to the shepherds and they say, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. So we see often, over and over and over again, the Bible tells us do not be afraid. But the context, my friends, the context is always in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Whether it's preaching the gospel, preparing the people for the kingdom of God, it's always doing the work of the Lord. And that's where we can take solace in understanding that God has counted the hairs on our head and that we are much more, to, much more worth than two sparrows. No, this is where we need to stand tall. This is where we need to have no fear. 
we not to be afraid, to realize that we are worth much more uh, to God. Uh, we have a job to do. Now, our job to do when it comes to the kingdom of God can often be dangerous. It can bring persecution. It can bring hardship. But we must rise to the occasion because, my friends, and this is the bottom line, the Lord is coming back. There will be a generation that will be alive when the Lord returns. We know that. Uh, this, is the, this, is, this will be the generation that will be the last generation to speak of the grace and the goodness of God before Jesus returns for his, for his bride. You know, in John chapter 14, Jesus tells us, he's telling his apostles, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are, are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not tell you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We need to be prepared. Just like the parable of the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom, that I be, we are to be prepared for the return of the Lord at any time. This question is especially important considering of the signs that we see, what these becoming of the, what we call the birth pains. And the greatest sign I just mentioned uh, in my last podcast was the establishment of the State of Israel on May 14, 1948. After nearly 900 years, all of a sudden we see the, the nation of Israel. Um, who else but the Lord could bring back a, a people in these end times? Did I say 900 years? 1900 years. 1900 years. Because it was 70 AD all the way until 1948. So 1900 years. You know, I, I'd like to, to encourage you to, to seek the Lord to not be afraid, to be able to be willing to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with your friends, your neighbors, because the time, my friend, is, is getting very, very short. Before I pray, I want to encourage you uh, to, to, to write to us. Uh, you can write to us at uh, prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. Share this video, like it, uh, let your friends know about it. It's the best way that uh, we, can, uh, we can share this with others. We are Faith Dialogue, a 501c3 evangelical church. Thank you for tuning in today. Let me pray for you. Father God, we want to thank you. Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation. Available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today. Thank you for joining us on Prophecy Countdown with Pastor Ken Baer. Don't leave without first sharing the latest episode with your friends. Be sure to join us again for the latest updates on Prophecy Countdown.